You'll take control and you'll eat of Him for the rest of your life and He will truly satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. Don't be a bandwagon Christian. Be a person who says, you are the bread of my life and I eat from you to be satisfied and to do your will for your glory. Welcome to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. In the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John, Jesus is asked a question that all of us should be asking Him. What must we do to do the works God requires? On today's program, David gives us great insights about Jesus' response in the second section of a message called, Jesus, the Bread of Life. People make lousy gods. People make awful gods. You may think they're gonna be with you forever and love you forever, and you can be a celebrity. They'll turn on you in an instant. If you depend on your outsides for the deepest longings of your heart to be met, you're going to be sorely disappointed. It was Pascal, the famous philosopher and scientist who said, in all of us, we have a God-shaped void. All of us are born with a desire for God to fill the voids of our hearts. And what do we try to do? We try to fill it with anything and everything else except God. You know, when you're really hungry, you'll eat garbage. It it may fill you for a second, but it's not good for you long-term. Only God can touch the deepest longings of our heart. Only He can fill that God-shaped void. And Jesus was saying, I am the Son of Man, and the seal of the Father is upon me, and I am the one who can fill all of those longings inside of you for eternal life and for your feelings of worth not in the things of this world. I'll get rid of your discontentment. I'll make you feel sufficient in me every single day of your life. You'll know you're loved by me and not the things of this world. You know you're accepted by me and you don't have to keep striving and working hard to be accepted by this world which will never fully and ultimately accept you. And it's interesting that the people um, looked at this answer and heard Jesus also say that he is the son of man whom the seal of the Father is on. And they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Do you get it? Jesus said, I'm the Son of Man, and the seal of the Father is on me authenticating that only I can give you true eternal realities, true eternal sufficiencies, true eternal life. And here's where they go. What must I do to get this? Such a natural human response because, dear friends, we think there's something we've got to do to earn God's favor. We think there's something we've got to work in order to feel sufficient. That's why so many of us at times burn the candle at both ends because we think if we just work harder and have more stuff and get the world's acclaim, then we'll feel satisfied and sufficient. It's the natural human response. Oh, I want to get rid of discontentment. Well, what do I have to do to work hard to get this discontentment satisfied? Paul, remember, said, I've learned how to be content. It's a hard learning process. And folks, Jesus is about to tell them there's nothing they can do to earn that. So after they asked the question, what must we do for the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work that you believe in Him whom He, the Father, has sent. So they ask, what do we do to get satisfied inside? Jesus said, here's the one work you need to do, the work of faith, to believe, 
to believe in him, Jesus, whom the Father has sent. Now, isn't that fascinating? I tried to teach you through the years the Trinity as being the earmark of the Christian faith. You've got to believe in the Trinity or you can't call yourself a Christian. The Trinity is one God in three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God in three persons. A mystery for sure, but that's what the Bible clearly teaches. And so in our fallenness and rebellion against God, the gulf between us and the Father, who's perfect and pure in every way, and we're sinful in every way, that gulf is huge. We try to work our way to God to get satisfied so that God will say, hey, you're okay. It's called works righteousness. And Jesus says here, here's the only work you need to do to believe that at some point the Father said to the Son, go. And the Father sent His Son into this world to live the perfect life none of us can ever live. To die on the cross, to take the wrath of God for all of our sin upon Himself, and then by grace through faith, not of our works, we are declared righteous. We are declared sufficient in the eyes of the Father. Jesus said, get this out of your mind, that you've got to keep working. You've got to keep doing stuff to get stuff, to feel important in life. Here's the one work you do. Believe in Jesus who has sent you. And folks, when you believe that, when you believe the Father has sent the Son and He died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins, when you believe that what happens inside of you is the Holy Spirit enters and you suddenly have a new identity, a new understanding of who you are. No longer are you a person living in this world trying to work your way for approval. No longer are you under the bondage of thinking, if I just had a little more of whatever, then I'd be satisfied. Suddenly, when you are born again in Jesus Christ, when He enters your heart, you hear the Father call you a son or a daughter of the King of kings and Lord of lords. You have royal blood pulsating through your veins. He promises to meet every one of your needs but not because you're constantly badgering him for more and more, just because he's a good daddy and that's what he loves to do. And when your identity is solely and completely found in him, when you believe that the father sent the son into the world and that son now has adopted you into his family, Jesus is your big brother, your daddy in heaven is your loving father. When you really believe that, you're totally different. The, the things of this world grow strangely dim as you start moving more and more toward heaven. You know how much the Father loves you and you are never, ever separated from that love no matter what. And the things of this world aren't what demanding you to feel good about yourself. They ask the question, what must he do to be content? Jesus said, here's the one thing, believe, have faith. The Son has met your every need and your every longing in your heart. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers are, ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So, so the people come back to Jesus and say, well, give us a sign that you really are the son of man, the, the one the father sent into the world, his seal upon your life. You know, even in the wilderness, God gave signs to help people believe. And the one sign they gave as they were marching toward the promised land was manna. Uh, manna, the word means, what's this? <laughs> they couldn't describe it really with any kind of word, so they called it, what's this? It was a wafer-like honey-caked piece of bread that God put 
in front of their tents every single morning, six days out of seven. The seventh was the Sabbath, the day of rest. God didn't do it then on the day before they could gather up enough for the Sabbath day. But every day they were told not to gather up too much, not to want more and more and more. Just gather up enough for that day. In Jesus' words, in the prayer, he taught his disciples to pray, give us this day our daily bread, God trying to teach them, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Enjoy this day to the full. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Don't gather up more and more that you're not going to be able to take with you to heaven. Folks, as I drive around, you know, one of the major buildings I see being built all over this state, all over the country, storage units, storage units. It's like we work more and more and more harder and harder hours. And then we store it all in a storage place acting like we're going to take it with us into heaven. And you know that joke I've cracked a thousand times. There are no U-Hauls attached to hearses. They're not. You're not going to take it with you. But the people of Israel were told just gathering up for the day this manna, and they probably learned how to have manna sandwiches, manna cotti. Oh, that's awful, isn't it? I'm sorry about that. They all learned how to enjoy the manna to the full. And when they crossed over into the promised land after 40 years of God supplying their need every single day, not living for more and more and more, when they crossed over into the promised land, the first meal they needed in the promised land, God stopped the manna. Stopped it. Because at that point in the promised land, he knew they would have to work for their food. But while they were wandering toward that promised land, he supplied their every single daily need, teaching them how to be content. So, so the people ask, well, Jesus, the Father, God gave the children of Israel manna as they were going toward the promised land, a sign that he really was taking care of them. Give us that same kind of sign. And Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, listen up. Amen. Amen. This is really important. I'm about to tell you the truth. I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. Now, what's he saying there? You, you folks worshiped a man and you somehow thought Moses was the one supplying you the manna. But the manna was not supplied by a man. It was supplied by God. And God wanted to teach you that he would supply your every need. And he also wanted to teach you not to worship a man, but to worship God. So a lot of our discontent, folks, is we want people to worship us. We want people to think well of us. We work so hard to amass bigger houses, drive better cars, so people will think well of us. I know for me, folks, don't follow me as the pastoral moments of Hope Church at this season in our history. Don't follow me. I am not worthy to be followed. I'm a mere man. I have flaws. I have difficulties. Just talk to my wife, Marilyn, my beloved of almost 43 years now. She'll tell you, but I'm a man who passionately quests after the heart of God. So if you want to follow me because I follow Jesus, fine. But don't follow me because you think I'm wonderful because I'm not wonderful. Jesus said here, don't follow Moses, follow God. Don't give the glory to any man, give it to God. Don't you take the glory that only God deserves upon yourself. Only God gets that. And when you realize all the glory belongs to God, it's all about Him, you fall into contentment. You don't have discontentment. You don't think I need something else a little bit more in order to be satisfied on this side of eternity. It's the Father who gives true bread from heaven. For the bread of God, the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven. Who is the true bread of God? It's the one the Father sent, the second person of the Godhead, the Son, 
The Father sent the Son who came down. Folks, this is an incarnation Christmas verse. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. We really should celebrate it every day of the year. Just like the resurrection shouldn't be celebrated only at Easter, it should be celebrated every day of the year. For the Son is the bread of God who came down from heaven and gives life to the world, real life, life that has contentment, life that is satisfied. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. I mean, they're getting excited. They're going, well, this is the kind of bread we want. And here's Jesus' answer. He said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Give us this bread, they said to Jesus. Jesus said, I am that bread. I'm the bread of life. It's the first of Jesus' seven I am statements that he gives in John. Remember last week how he talked about Matthew, Mark, and Luke? 65% of their information was all the same. John's information was 90% different from all of the three first gospels. Well, this is one of the places it's really different. Seven times Jesus says, I am, uses the word Yahweh. When Moses asked God, give me your name so I can go back to the people and tell them your name. God said, here's my name. I am who I am. And the Jews thought that name of God was so unutterable, they never would say it. Jesus, on seven different occasions, says, I am. Uses that phrase in Exodus 3, 14. I am. And the first one is here. I am the bread of life. And whoever believes in Jesus, that the Father sent him, put his seal on him, he is the Son of Man, he came down from heaven. Whoever believes in him and he enters their hearts and lives within, he satisfies the deepest longings of your heart. And that when you hunger he'll meet that hunger. When you thirst, he'll meet that thirst. And he said the same thing to the woman at the well in John 4, when she was talking about drawing water out of the well, he said, I have living water that you'll drink of, and when you drink of it, you'll never thirst again. It's an extraordinary statement, folks. Jesus is that bread of life. Let me ask you, as we conclude this message today, do you believe that Jesus is the bread of life? That he and his food are what we need to ingest and have satisfaction forever? Or are you still falling prey to the lie that something in this world will satisfy the deepest longings of your heart? The Bible talks very clearly and specifically about contentment. We find that contentment only in Jesus. And when we believe in Him, we ingest Him into our lives. We have everything that we should ever need. Folks, let me ask you this question. On your deathbed, are you going to say, man, I wish I had my new car right now? On your deathbed, are you going to say, man, I wish I had that Rolex watch? On your deathbed, are you going to say, I wish I had a couple of my awards that I won right here on my bed? Is that what you're going to say? What you're going to say, I hope is, first of all, I want my family around me. And then secondly, Jesus, I trust you. I believe in you. The one work I need to do is to believe in you. And I trust you that my life is in your hands. You are my bread. I ingest you again and again. I eat of you daily. Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. As we need physical food, we need spiritual food. And as Jesus becomes the Lord of our lives, as Jesus is ingested in us, as we study this book, as we pray, as we practice spiritual disciplines, as we make Jesus our life, He meets the deepest longings of our heart. Has that happened to you? If not, all you have to do is bow your head and confess that you're a sinner. You're a mess up. You have screwed up this life. You're, you need Jesus to come in and forgive you. And when you do that, He'll enter your heart. He'll take control 
and you'll eat of him for the rest of your life and he will truly satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. Don't be a bandwagon Christian, only going to Jesus to get what you want whenever you want it, more and more from him. Be a person who says, Jesus, I'm yours, you're my life. You are the bread of my life and I eat from you to be satisfied and to do your will for your glory. It's in Jesus' name I ask this. To Christ be the glory, alone and always. Amen. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, by the power of your Holy Spirit, there it is, the Trinity. When we pray every week, we should pray in the Trinity. The one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Daddy, in the name of your Son, Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray for every person watching online right now. If they have fallen prey to the lies of this world, the lies of advertisers, the lies of their friends, the lies of the evil one in their heart telling them that if they just had blank, then they'd be happy. Or if they just had a little more of blank, then they'd be happy. Lord, I pray they would defeat that lie right now and just give their lives to you, give their trust to you. And Lord, for any person out there who has needs like finances or a new job or a kid who's wandering right now or some physical need, whatever it might be, Lord, that you would meet their needs. You would meet the deepest longings of their heart. You do so, but that, Lord, they would look to you and beyond this life and trust you for eternity and to know that this place is not our home and ultimately they'll be with you forever. Let them rest in you. Let them stand courageously against this crazy culture and all of its lies. May we find our sufficiency in you. And Lord, as we walk with you to know how much you love us deeply, we're adopted children in your kingdom. You satisfy our deepest longings in our hearts and we can trust you with anything and everything. Oh, Lord Jesus, may every listener give their hearts to you, live for you, stand for you, and may you be pleased when you return again to find us all standing firmly and solidly on you, the rock, on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Lord, you are our righteousness. You came from heaven. We trust you. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio with a conversation about ways we can defeat people-pleasing. We'll be right back. In our community, there are countless people at the intersection of homelessness and addiction. Hi, I'm Tony Marciano, President and CEO of Charlotte Rescue Mission. And for over 80 years, the Rescue Mission has been helping people who struggle with addiction in our community. You know, there are many great programs that offer people struggling with addiction a path to sobriety and recovery. But what comes after someone gets clean? Often those battling addiction have an inconsistent work history or criminal charges. Most have stunted emotional growth. And after they've achieved sobriety, how do they maintain long-term employment? This is where Community Matters Cafe makes a huge impact in their lives. Community Matters Cafe is more than just good food and wonderful house-roasted coffee. It's an extension program of Charlotte Rescue Mission that is transforming lives. And after men and women graduate from Charlotte Rescue Mission's 120-day Rebound Men's and Dove's Nest Women's Residential Programs, they have the option to enroll in the Life Skills Program at Community Matters Cafe. During the six-month program, the students learn a variety of critical life skills in a restaurant setting that help them get and keep long-term employment. Community Matters Cafe is located diagonally opposite the Panther Practice Fields at the corner of Cedar and West First Street. 
Charlotte Rescue Mission is so grateful for the financial partnership of Moments of Hope Church in this vital work of transforming lives. I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks so much for being with us today. Hi, Jen. It's great being with you as well. Well, David, in this morning's e-devotion, you wrote this one just for me. We're going to talk about it here and let the listeners in on this private conversation as you're helping (laughs) me get set free from this. How can we overcome people-pleasing? Oh, Jen, I'd like to admit, too, because confession's good for the soul. It's something I've had to struggle with as well. Mm. Um, I think most people do. Uh, We want to be liked. We were created to be interdependent with other people. Uh, It's not good for man to be alone. God said so in Genesis. So we were created to be in community. The problem is, is when a desire for people to like you becomes idolatry. Yeah, That's when it becomes a problem. And I think all of us need to understand that people-pleasing can become an idol, and we need to understand how to defeat it when it is a bad thing in our lives. Mm-hmm. And it is a huge problem. You know, everybody has it. And what's interesting to me, as I read 2 Corinthians, the entire book, it's basically the Apostle Paul defending himself against the false accusations of false teachers. They were saying all kinds of things that were wrong about him, and he pins the entire book practically as a way of saying, what they're saying about me is not true. Mm-hmm. They don't have the courage to come to me and say it face to face, and he defends himself throughout the entire book against these charges. So. If the great apostle got defensive at time when people criticized him, I think we can as well and realize, you know, people-pleasing is something that all of us have to struggle with. So how do you defeat people-pleasing? I think the way you do it is by making God and his kingdom the first priority in your life. Mm. When you make Jesus the master passion of your life and the doing of his will, what you want to do more than anything else in the world, really, Jen, the opinions of others take a secondary tertiary fourth position in your life. Mm -hmm. You can then start to move on to do God's will and not care as much what people think of you. So Mm -hmm. again, the only antidote I know to people pleasing is to make the doing of God's will the master passion of your life. And then when he becomes the first and highest priority in your life, the opinions of others becomes less important. That is so good. And just taking a slight turn, you know, one place that I have recognized, you know, I want my kids to like me, but I'm recognizing, you know what? I'm their only mom. I'm not just a friend. I need to be a mom. And And there are going to be days they don't like you, Jen. That's right. That is what I'm like, you know what? I need to be okay with this. Well, I can assure you that's okay. As one who's raised three to adulthood, it's okay because it's temporary. You are their only mom. There's that special connection. They know you love them. Just make sure that when you correct them and they don't like you, you take them in your arms and say, I did this for your good. Even Mm -hmm. though they don't realize it at the moment, it will help them later on to love you with an even greater depth. Yeah, that's so good. I've heard a statistic once that said it's a a scientifically proven fact that 50% of the people throughout our lives are actually just not going to like us. Really? Whether it's because the way we touch our hair or our tone and just letting that kind of sink in is like, well, if that's a fact in reality, 
That's one way to help get over people-pleasing. Wow. Well, living in the culture we live in with microaggressions where you never know if you're offending somebody and you can even lose your job if they go to HR and report you with something you don't even know you did, how freeing that is to say, you know, 50% of the people aren't going to like me no matter what I do or say or how I look. I just need to recognize that and move forward in life, making God the master passion of my life. So good. Thank you so much, David. Thank you, Jen. Thank you, listeners, for listening. If you'd like to receive these daily written moments of hope in your inbox, box, please go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there. They will arrive every morning at 7 a.m. from my heart to yours, free of charge to begin your day with a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message is from our Sunday morning worship service, and you can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock, in person or by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. While you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moments of Hope, delivered every morning to your inbox. Also, check out David's weekly Hopecast. They're both free and available through our website. Again, that web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for peace throughout our divided nation.